This is Jamila Blue from Conscious Michiana. Our purpose is to connect Michiana to holistic practitioners and mind, body, spirit events and places within our community. Today's guest is Mary Beth Shramlin, founder of A Mindful Place. In this episode, we will discuss her journey of being a counselor to discovering laughter yoga and how this path eventually led her to bringing a mindful place into being. Have you heard about our upcoming Earth Day Mind Body Spirit Festival? It will take place April 23rd from 10 until 6 p.m. at Potawatomi Park in South Bend. There will be music, art, health and wellness classes, yoga, qigong, food, vendor booths, and activities for all ages. Our application deadline is April 9th. There is still room if you want to participate. You can find all of the details on our website. As you are listening to this podcast, you may find that you are interested in learning more about the holistic resources within our community. For a full directory listing, please visit www.consciousmichiana.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and we also have a newsletter. If you are a practitioner and want to become part of our growing community, please join the Michiana Holistic Hub Facebook group. You may also add your bio and any upcoming events that you may have to our website. If you are enjoying this podcast, please help us out by leaving some stars and a review on your favorite podcast app. This will help more than you may realize. In in the podcast world, this goes a long way in helping others to find us. And it's free. All right, let's get started. Welcome, Mary Beth from A Mindful Place. I am so excited to have you on this podcast with me today. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to share about a mindful place and all the things that are going on in Laporte. Yeah, Laporte. Mm-hmm. That's just a Laporte's just a hop and a skip down the road. It feels like it's far away, but really it's not. And especially a mindful place is what, thirty minutes from downtown South Bend, maybe? Does that sound about right? Probably. About thirty minutes. You know, you get on two or twenty and you go straight down and or you can even go the toll row route and you'll be there. So it does sound like a distance, just like for us from Laporte, it sounds like a distance to South Bend, but it's really not that far. Mm-hmm. And you're on this side, you're on the east side, yeah. which makes it a little well, even. more east, northeast. Uh-huh. So we're on the, the more the Michigan side, which makes it, um, I think, a lot easier for people to get there. They don't have to go through town. They can go yeah. the back way and, and come down, and there we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. So um, I'm really curious about your story of A Mindful Place. When did it begin? How did it get started? What caused you to say, hey, I want to do this? It started in about 2010, so 12 years ago, and the story's kind of funny in that a friend of mine 
had just completed a 200-hour yoga class as well as laughter yoga. I, for many years, have been a licensed clinical social worker, which really put me into the helping healing field. And I had just completed a program that was introducing mindfulness into the mental health realm. And she said, oh, you should take laughter yoga. I really think that self-care and meditation and laughter yoga are a thing of the future. And that was in 2010, and we said, okay, let's see what we can do with this. And we started with just um, some focus groups and identified three things that we would offer. It'd be like a half day, it was a mindful walk. She offered some yoga. Um, I offered a bit of mindfulness, and we did laughter yoga. And the only thing that people had to do was come and give their feedback as to how they felt the day went. And it was very positive. And so we did a couple more and said, okay, let's expand this. And the next step was we identified in the LaPorte Parks Department, a very nice park, and we introduced what we called mindfulness in motion. And mindfulness in motion was basically the same concept. You started the day, you did some yoga, you did um, some mindfulness meditation practice, you ate a silent meal, and then we did at the end of the day the laughter yoga. And it just kept growing as we met more practitioners because we wanted to introduce community practitioners to this little program that we had set up. and. We introduced some Tai Chi, we introduced a labyrinth, and it just kept expanding until it was almost a full day that included also um, a drum circle at the end of the day. And the response was pretty positive. And so we said, let's keep going. And we gave ourselves a name, and it was at that point called Singing Bowl Workshops. Because a singing bowl, of course, um, is an act of mindfulness when you listen to the vibration. And so we um, became singing bowl workshops and continued to do the workshops. We also did individual mindfulness meditation classes, yoga classes, laughter yoga, and continued to grow and evolve and, and try to get more community members to be involved. And ultimately we rented one room space and then we got a bigger space and we called ourselves we changed from singing bowl workshops to a mindful place because we now had a space and we moved from our one room space to an office and i still did my mental health and it had a space where we could do a bit of yoga and drum circles and eventually moved to the space that we're in now what a wonderful story. I love that. It, it evolved, and I think for both of us, she was a hairdresser, and we talk about how hairdressers are a little bit like social workers. People go in, they tell their stories, what's going on in their lives. I was the, the clinical part of social work and was trained in um, family systems theory, which says that with every action, there's a reaction. And it fit very well with mindfulness. And of course, after many years, 
meditation, mindfulness was integrated into treatments. And um, I think meditation per se offers us the opportunity to be introspective. And that's what we do, what I do in, um, in my mental health practice. It's easy to say if they change, if they change, if they change, then things would be better for me. Only it really, as we know, doesn't work that way. It's more about looking into ourselves and saying, what can I change if they don't change? Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of evolved for both of us and we continue to do it. And so here we are now and, and continuing on. That's a great story. And I didn't know your history. So, I mean, and I've known for a few years now when I've gotten that full story. So that's, I'm so excited that uh, that you told. I am curious about, so I am familiar with laughter yoga, but for those who are not familiar with laughter yoga, would you please explain that? Laughter yoga was really introduced back in, I think it's back in the 80s, by um, an MD in India who believed that, you know, he, we've all heard laughter is the best medicine and he wanted to find out if it was. And so he did a lot of research and decided to put a program together. And so it's really not yoga in the traditional sense of the word, it's more the laughter portion of it because there are many, many benefits to laughter that we don't know about. And the first big one is, that with laughter yoga people say well i don't laugh a lot you know you don't have to laugh a lot you can fake laughter when we do laughter yoga and you're still going to get the benefits and it has to do with your immune system your cardiovascular system your t-cells will see laughter yoga done in um, hospitals for people who are getting chemotherapy it just pumps everything up, if you will. And so what you do is um, you laugh, of course, These, but it's a nice deep belly laugh, a Santa Claus laugh, if you will, um, that comes from your diaphragm. And you take nice deep breaths and you laugh. And then um, Dr. Kataria, who introduced it to the world, decided that he wanted some rhythm involved and so he created clapping. Now there's a reason we clap because our hands are full of like acupressure points and so when you clap you get you're starting to stimulate the system. So you clap with rhythm and so it's one, two, one, two, three. One, two, one, two, three. And you notice that you start to move and he wanted to incorporate movement. Well, of course, he was from India and he thought, let's incorporate some chanting, but not in the traditional sense of chanting, because now you're, um, you're kind of stimulating things in your face. And so what he added was ho, ho, ha, 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 ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. And you walk, and what you really do is kind of engage the imagination with pretending. And so let's say one of the exercises, and, and the people who are doing it, the only thing you can do is make on eye contact with others, walking in eye contact, no talking. And so you imitate something, you're walking, let's say that you're walking through the airport and you get a phone call and you bring your hand up, 
and the whole time you're breathing and you're laughing and you're looking at other people and letting them know that you're talking. And you do that for a few minutes and then you stop and you do some stretches and then you and that's where the yoga comes in of course you're going to stretch up just a nice big stretch and fold down and then you're going to stretch up again but this time when you fold down you're going to laugh the whole way down and um so you laugh and what is it that all of us like we like a little pat on the back and so we finish that exercise and we'll do a very good, very good, yay, for what we've just done. And you can do that, um, you know, usually laughter yoga groups maybe laugh last about 30 minutes. And the interesting thing is they did a study at Stanford, I believe it was, and for, um, I think it's every minute of deep belly laughing, it's like 10 minutes on a rowing machine. Now, who in the world wants to get laugh or be on a rowing machine? But it's the stretching, it's the movement, it's the diaphragm expanding and contracting where you get all those benefits. That's fascinating. It's amazing. And the more research I do on it, um, the more that I am able to share with people I have a little postcard that I hand out, and it's got one of my favorites, Calvin and Hobbes, and they're just rolling on the floor in, in laughter, and we all remember doing that until we're almost ready to wet our pants. But on the other side, I think it has like 10 um, benefits to laughter. So laughter really is the best medicine, mm -hmm. and that's laughter yoga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you for explaining that. And so, all right. So as as you were explaining mm -hmm. the the process, mm -hmm. um, there's the ha 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 he 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 the clapping. But then, like in between, when you are explaining, like you're just laughing. Is that me just laughing at however I want to, or is that like guided through sound, like a specific? Are you gonna tell me like, am I just gonna laugh, <laughs> or am I just is, or is it gonna be more specific? You're just gonna laugh. <laughs> Right. You got to get it down into the belly, yes. a good. <laughs> ah, you see. want that Santa Claus, that deep diaphragmatic laugh. How interesting. And yeah, I think that what's really interesting to me about that is how many of us, when we actually have that full belly laugh, become embarrassed in groups because we're like taught that it's not okay to have a full belly laugh. Exactly. Uh -huh. I think that that prevents people, they shy away from it, but once they realize we're not laughing at anyone, which is a lot of times when he started creating laughter yoga, you know, he had five friends and they went to the park in India, as the story goes, and they started out by telling jokes. Um, well, after a while, and you, they did it daily, and after a while, the jokes got a little raunchy, and then they were laughing at people, and he didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And so that's when he discovered, of course, that the fake laughter gives the same benefit. So just now when I laughed, it was a fake laugh, but if I kept that going, first of all, I'm going to, you know, the saying is fake it until you make it. And then I'm just going to be laughing naturally. But let's say that I think I don't have a sense of humor. As long as I keep laughing, I'm going to get the benefits. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is there's a mindfulness component about it. Because when you're doing that, 
That's the only thing you're thinking about. Because uh-huh. you let go of that inhibition of um, being embarrassed. Because yeah. everybody else around you is doing the same thing. And I've done it in groups with, you know, 200 people. I've been invited to groups. And um, I think everybody starts out a little guarded. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand it when I took the first class. I was like, I can't do this. And yet here I am giving presentations on laughter yoga. And um, you let go. You just let go of your inhibitions and you're laughing with one another. So also what's it doing? It's creating community. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that you can let go of things. So mm-hmm. Wonderful. It is, it is, I enjoy doing it when I've done it with larger crowds. It's been in other states, and they'll see me walking down the street. Oh, there's the laughter yoga lady. <laughs> because they enjoyed it. They uh-huh. connected with it, and they connected with one another. So, If you're going to be known for something. I, I would uh, much I would rather that. be that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And so I, that was one of the things that my friend and I had that she said, let's do this. You know, she'd already become a laughter yoga leader. And so I went and took the class and said, let's go for this. And that's kind of our story. I'm so glad that you did. Thank you. <laughs> we are too. It, it is. And like I said, being a, a licensed clinical social worker and doing psychiatric social work most of my career, um, it fit. Mm-hmm. Because we can't change the outside world. We have to figure out how we're going to learn to cope with it. And so that's what we decided we were going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was also, as you, were, as, as you were talking about this, I was also thinking since 2010, how far we have come as far as, it's only been, I want to say in the last couple of years, I want to say that maybe briefly before COVID, um, has mindfulness began to show up in corporate settings. There was a lot around stress reduction and finding that work-life balance, but it's really just been in the last few years that we're seeing it at a larger scale mindfulness as part of as part as as part of a daily regimen and just being able to have that balance in our life requires mindfulness and having that space for it. And seeing that it's going through larger corporations and such, that it's trickling down to the rest of us that way. I mean, it feels like it's been a really long time coming for that. I think it has been. um, You know, of course, in other countries, they're more open. For example, um, laughter yoga in some countries, they offer it to their employees on the work floor first thing in the morning. And they find that they're much more productive because um, they feel better. They've kicked in the feel-good chemicals. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen it in other countries, but I think it's just evolved and and been transferred over to the United States. And, And even, you know, some people will say that some activities move from east and west coast into the Midwest. And so it takes us a little longer, perhaps, to embrace these kinds of activities. But mindfulness, I think, 
and I think people get confused about the difference between mindfulness versus mindfulness meditation. There are two different things. Mindfulness is simply going through your day being present, mm -hmm. not being on autopilot, mm -hmm. not being mindless. Your mind isn't empty, in fact, it's probably more in tune with what's going on around you. And so um, the Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, who a lot of people know um, and have read about, um, he talks about walking mindfully. And that when you walk mindfully, you pay attention to when your foot hits the floor and you don't take the next step until you feel firmly grounded. You don't drink tea unless you are seated and you're not driving in your car, going through, you know, whatever your favorite coffee house is. You're seated and you're smelling the tea and you're feeling the cup in your hand and you're becoming more mindful. That's mindfulness. It's really being present every day. And so you don't have to sit and meditate to be mindful. Every activity that you do can be an act of mindfulness if you break it down, washing the dishes. And that, when we first started, we, we used that example. You know, feel the water as it's coming out of the faucet if you're doing it in, in the sink. Notice the suds and feel them. Do they have a smell from the soap? And so suddenly you're present in this moment and your mind isn't what we call monkey mind swinging from branch to branch mm -hmm. it's present and when we sit and talk like you and i are doing we're present mm -hmm. with one another and that improves community it improves relationships it has a lot of benefits and so i think you're right it's just taken time for it to connect perhaps and I really think that the pandemic offered a lot. We were home and we had to learn to live differently. And so people started putting activities online for mindfulness. And I think people responded to it and they felt better. Even mm -hmm. though it was a stressful time, it goes back to what I said. We couldn't change the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We could only change how we're going to relate to it, how we're going to respond to it instead of being reactionary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And that reminds I mean, and, and that just as as you've been going through and explaining um, these various things, what I'm continuing to hear is the act of responsibility, being responsible for being present, being responsible for what can I do because it's not about what somebody else is going to do, but what can I do differently within my own behavior in whatever capacity, but being responsible for our own thoughts and actions. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and I think that is a bit of um, an outgrowth first of all of, of my looking into these things because when you're dealing with mental health and a lot of times it'll be a family or it'll be um, an individual or a couple and they don't look at the relationship is dynamic if there's a change in you there's going to be a change in me and so I think that my responsibility in the relationship is to look at me and say okay Am I comfortable with what I'm doing? When I hear you say, this is how I feel. Yeah. 
And so I really believe that these two paths for me just mesh together very well. It, it was a natural outgrowth of how I had been trained. But it is about accountability, responsibility. Um, we don't like what's going on in our world right now. It's, it's frightening. We can't change that on a global in a global way and so how am I going to respond to it what can I do you know is it um, donating to a cause or or simply when I sit down to meditate or prayer or just thinking about people that are suffering and send them what we call loving kindness mm -hmm. But first we have to be aware of ourselves. Loving kindness starts with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as a, I don't think as a society we're real good with that. Mm -hmm. Well, we're trained not to. That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. It takes too much time. Um, you know, and of course we went through businesses saying they wanted us to multitask, which just created more issues for people. Mm -hmm. So they weren't present. Quicker, faster. Exactly. Well, uh, we're how, how a fast, faster can we do it? That's right. We're a fast food generation. Mm -hmm. And so multitasking seemed to make sense, I guess. But it wasn't useful. It wasn't productive. We probably we saw more burnout, um, stress-related issues physically, emotionally. And so I think there needs to be a backup to mindfulness. Um, as well as offering people the opportunity in corporate America for meditative skills, laughter, yoga, um, you know, and that's why I think that the fest that you're offering is going to, you know, put it out there. It's kind of like our focus group. I believe that unless you experience it, you can't learn about it. Mm -hmm. I can read about it, I can talk to you about it, but until you absolutely experience that, and you take it in and it becomes part of your life, you mm -hmm. integrate it as part of your life, it, it's just out there. It's still mm -hmm. separate from you. Mm -hmm. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So going back to a mindful place. Yes. Yeah, so what, uh, what activities? Like, so I, what I'm hearing you say is that you, you have your practice, your counseling practice mm -hmm. that you have, and you have other things going on there as well. So what are some of those things that you have or um, that you want to be able to talk about as far as any type of programming that you have coming up? Or, You know, the pandemic, of course, slowed us down. And so we're just now with the numbers going down, being responsible and starting to bring back some of our groups. But during the pandemic, it didn't stop us. We still did um, online meditation. We offer a weekly online meditation. It's every Tuesday. Um, we also, during that time, introduced a book club that's online. And so people from other places can join us. We're all reading the same book. And that kept our sense of community going. Those are still going. Um, so some of the things that we're starting to offer again we, I um, rent the space out, so to speak, to other practitioners, and they can offer either public kinds of activities or private. And right now, we've got a small private astrological group going, um, six or seven people we get together, 
And um, although sometimes when I look at the chart, I feel like I'm looking at a spirograph, I'm always amazed at the information that astrology can give us. So we have that. And of course, you come over and offer ecstatic dance. We've done one of those now, and hopefully come May, we'll be doing that again. I've got my list here, and so I want to look to make sure that I get everything on there. Um, so we also offer on-site Reiki, um, which is an energy type of healing uh, practice that was originated in Japan. And um, I offer Reiki treatments in addition to outpatient mental health services. I also offer presentations. People don't know what Reiki is, and I think that before you do anything, you should know what you're going to be doing, and so it's a basic presentation. And then uh, um, we also teach level one, two, and three of Reiki. So we offer that, and that has started up again. In addition to that, there's a Reiki share for Reiki practitioners. We meet the first Saturday of the month, and it's really good because we talk about self-care, but as practitioners, we don't always take care of ourselves. And um, one of my mentors said, we can't pour from an empty cup. And so we offer Reiki share every first Saturday of the month. That's been going on again now for a couple months. We also have meditation classes that I offer. I am currently um, offering one at Sacred Waters. We're into, we'll be into week three, and it's very basic. It's this is how you start if you're interested. Your doctor says, oh, you should meditate. And then you go online and it gets very confusing. So it's just the how-tos. And then a little in information. I've got two levels, a level one, we're into level two, that begins to look at some of the spiritual traditions that introduced us to meditation. And sometimes people feel like it's meditation has to be a religion. But it doesn't have to be. It, it can, you can bring your religious beliefs, your spiritual beliefs with you to meditation and sit and be present. And so we're going to introduce some of the, the more ancient traditions in this level two class. So I offer that both at, at uh, Sacred Waters and a Mindful Place. Um, World Laughter Day is coming up on May 1st. Um, and I'm hoping to get a World Laughter Day presentation together so that we can laugh and have fun and experience laughter yoga. Um, we do crystal ball meditations. And we've done some um, work with chakras where people do art while they're exploring their chakras. And um, our drum circle, hopefully as it warms up, we'll be back outside doing drum circle. Um, and I'm always working with outside practitioners to bring their um, programming in. So, you know, um, I've had some tarot card readers, some, some readers, you know, that have come in and they have their choice. I can market it. I can um, do the financial aspects of it and pay them or they can come and, and um, they take care of all their own business and then there's a percentage that they pay for the use of the space. So I'm always looking for new people to come in, you know, nutrition and essential oils, anything that has to do with self-care and our introduction into 
um, what's available for us. So those are the, th I do community presentations. Like I said, people can call me and say, hey, will you come to our group? I've gone to church groups with laughter yoga. Um, so I do that. We also have a program and we haven't been able to do it. We call it um, Plate to Palette. And I am engaged with a young man who was farm to fork. And we set up beautiful tables out in gardens and we learn about mindful eating and he created some of the best food for us. And you know, if you watch the Food Network, they'll say, oh, the depth of flavor or the, the textures. And I've had people say, I never realized how much texture there was to a salad. Um, and so you begin to open up and, and we're in the garden and we enjoy that. And hopefully I'll be able to do that again this year. Um, so that's a program that I offer. And, you know, I'm always open to new suggestions and opportunities. I, and I think what I like about doing this is that it inspires me to continue learning. So, like I said, with astrology, maybe I can't read the chart, but my background in systems allows me to look at this and look at my own chart and go, whoa, how interesting is this? And um, so I think that anything that we do, I always encourage people again to experience it. You can't, you can't get the depth of flavor, if you will, unless you experience it. And so learning is really about experiencing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things that I absolutely love and adore about you, Mary Beth, is your curiosity your openness, and you're willing to play and try new things. I don't know, but let's give it a try. And, you know, and being able to be open to whatever that might be and being able to, you know, explore that. I just, I love it. And I think that that speaks with the programming that you've had, being able to be open to different things and being able to see, okay, these are the things that are working, as well as being open to what other practitioners want to be able to bring and giving them a space to be able to do that because I know how difficult it is to have a space to be able to do the things that I want to. So knowing that there is a space is wonderful. Um, so I just, I really love that about you is, you know, those things. When I look and I've been doing mental health for a very long time and I look back in my history and you brought it up earlier with the laughter yoga, um, that embarrassment of trying new things and it doesn't work out. And at some point in my career, my life, both, they obviously fit together, um, I can't fail. If I try, I've been successful. And then I take that and, and look at it and say, okay, how would I make it different? Or maybe this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But I have to... Um, be willing to try it mm -hmm. so that I know it's like if you put three different coffees in my case tea in front of me which one do I really like am I going to base it on the, the title or the name of the coffee or the tea or am I going to sip it am I going to smell it am I going to see how it makes me feel and so somewhere along the line I just decided to go for it and it has evolved from there and I think as a person, 
I've evolved also. And so I always tell people that unless you try, you don't know how far you can go. Absolutely. You really don't know what you can accomplish. And life is really about always learning. We shouldn't ever feel like we're done. Mm -hmm. You know, and that brings me to my mental health portion of it, which is we know more and more through research the benefits of um, uh, neuroplasticity, where in our brain, the pathways can get stuck for a variety of reasons, but it doesn't mean that we can't make them different. And so we know that by trying, we can actually change how our brain works. And to me, that's amazing that just by sitting and doing meditation or laughter yoga and practicing something, trying it, expanding it, develops new, new neural pathways in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for us to know that it's never too late. Exactly. It is never too no, late. No, not at all. So Mary Beth, what have I not asked you yet? Or what have you not mentioned or talked about yet that you'd like to make sure you you uh, bring in today? Um, I just think um, trying things, exploring. I think I'm going to give a plug for the Mind, Body, and Spirit Fest. I'll be there. Um, I think I'm going to do some laughter yoga. I'm also going to be there with a little tent for a mindful place. So you may get some pictures so that you see what you'll see. Our space now is an old milk house, so an old barn, which really I love because I'm on the lower level and in front is a pond. And at the back of the, the walls in this space is the earth. And so I'm connected with earth and water and it feels so nice and and you know we've got the owners have a a windmill that they've repaired since we've been there and so um, so that will be shared at Conscious Michiana's Mind Body Spirit Fest and when you brought up about trying new things you you know somebody said oh what about a labyrinth and i knew someone that um had one that she had made well she wasn't available that day and i said well i went on google thank you google and i did some searching and with a couple other people we're gonna paint a labyrinth for um the mind body spirit fest which is an opportunity for people to walk mindfully and move internally so it was one of those, let's see what you have to do. And I am super excited that you're <laughs> going to be doing that. I, I really wanted to have some sort of meditative mandala there. And um, somebody at one of the planning meetings had said, I think I remember Mary Beth having somebody that she worked with with the labyrinth before, something along that line. And so when you went on the, the search, yes. I was like, yes. And then when you said, well, that's not going to work, but this is what we can do. I was super, super excited about that. Not sure how straight the paths are going to be, but you know what? The trying is is what the success is. Mm -hmm. And it will be learning and we're painting the lines on the grass and you'll get to walk mindfully into your center. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So... 
in regard, I do have a couple of questions. So okay. we have our rapid fire questions. Okay. So what do you love most about being a holistic practitioner? I think that I love the fact that holistic incorporates me into the process and requires me to delve into me as much as it, it encourages me to help others delve into themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that holistic isn't me doing something to you, it's me doing it with you. And that's really, again, for people who come to my presentations, what Reiki is about. I'm not doing anything to you. I'm holding space with you. And that's a beautiful thing because your energy inspires me and my energy inspires you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I would have to say. Love it. Mm -hmm. What three words describe how people feel after they have experienced a session with you? I'm hoping calming. I'm hoping curious. What would the third word be? Expanded knowledge. Wonderful. And our last rapid fire question is, if someone were lacking confidence or just uncomfortable reaching out uh, to you or wanting to go to the mindfulness for the first time, what advice would you give to them um, to really set their mind at ease? Usually what I do, particularly with something that maybe you haven't done before, say a Reiki treatment, is that when you come, you and I will sit down and talk for however long, and I'll explain exactly what I'm going to do and, and why I'm doing it and talk about any concerns that you have and always making sure that everyone knows if they ever are uncomfortable, they need to let me know, and we stop. That's okay. And you mm -hmm. can come back at a later time or say, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just knowing that you're not just coming and jumping into something, that it's going to be explained to you. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and that you don't have to do a lot to prepare to come and, and be mindful or have a Reiki treatment. The only real active thing that I've talked about, of course, is laughter yoga. And then you just have to, as I sometimes say, put your ego aside and just let it rip. Uh-huh. Yep, I hear that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And so what is the best way to contact you? You have a website. Would you give us the address? I don't have a website. My only presence is um, Facebook. And there, are, if you're a Reiki practitioner and you're interested in, like, Reiki shares, um, there's the Facebook page. It's called Greater Michiana Reiki share group, I believe. And then I also have a Facebook page that I always put what's going on out on the Facebook page. It's called A Mindful Place. They can also call me, um, and the number to call is 219-363-4756. You know, I also have email, a mindful place at outlook.com. And you can message me. You can message me through Facebook. I've had people who see me on Facebook, and they'll message. You don't have to like the page. You can still message me. Perfect. And I will have all of your information online on the info page or the, the podcast page, the episode page is what I'm trying to say, for this episode. And that way it's just really easy to find. And I also know that Conscious Michiana 
does list your events as well. Yes, they so do. They, uh, so we, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> it is there. It is there. It is there. You know, in the past, I've explored a website. It's just one more thing for me to keep up with, uh-huh. and so I opted for just Facebook, and and of course you with Conscious Michigan and and uh, word of mouth. I think with the kinds of things that we do, word of mouth is good. Someone comes, they say, I had the best time, or I walked out and I felt really good. I think that word of mouth is is great marketing. Perfect. And just to plug Conscious Michiana, one of the benefits of Conscious Michiana with it being a free directory site is you don't have to have a website. It's a way to be able to contact exactly. practitioners without having to build a whole site and have all that. And I really appreciate that um, because websites take as much work as, as Facebook. So. Mm-hmm. Sure do. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. I enjoy all the things that you do. You're an inspiration. You're a guiding light for us for the Mind, Body, Spirit Fest. Um, It's a vision, and and you're making it happen, and I hope that many people stop in. Me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. Well, thank you again, and uh, take care. Thank you. You too. Isn't she great? I love her so much. Her energy and enthusiasm for what she does and the passion that she puts into her work is just bar none. I am so looking forward to this festival. Oh my gosh, all of the applications and seeing all of the, just the high caliber of people that are applying between performers and the classes, oh my gosh, where we might have to have a, a third stage, there are so many classes. The vendors, handcrafted, amazing works of art. Um, there's really some exceptional artists that are going to be coming through. It's really humbling, just really, I am just so overwhelmed. I can't wait to bring this to each and every one of you our Earth Day Mind Body Spirit Festival, Potawatomi Park, April 23rd, 10 until 6 p.m. And also, we are teaming up with Arbor Day, Earth Day. They've been doing Earth Day celebrations for like 30 years in the community. They're gonna be doing some tree giveaways and um, just a nice, cool little walk for donations for like some of the local charities. There's also going to be some demonstrations that they're going to be doing, a tree exchange, a seed exchange, a tree a tree giveaway and seed exchange. And they're also going to be doing some things later in the evening at the greenhouse. So after we're done at 6, you can head on over to the conservatory and uh, continue as well as um, check some things out. They're going to have some other artists and vendors going on over there from 4 until 8 p.m., So it'll just be a nice continuation celebration of things happening that honors the earth, health and wellness, and the mind-body-spirit connection. This is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. All right, you guys. It's wonderful having you listen. I will see you next time. Bye-bye.